Praise the Lord, have we been doing okay? Yeah? Now we're really blessed just over this last weekend, past to have the men's conference here and have the ministry of Kenny Borthwick and Robert Murdoch, and then on the Sunday as well, in the morning, just really blessed to have Kenny coming again. All those messages were just sent to you yesterday, so apologies if you've got 15 messages in your WhatsApp or uh, messages. It's just the time taken to, to edit those videos and put them online. But can I encourage you all as a church, please listen to all of those, because it wasn't just for the men. <laughs> on Saturday, it was how to, how to help my neighbour in a time of crisis. It was very much the gospel. It was very much missional, and it would apply to us. So these men came here. Do you know predominantly why they said they came? Because they love you. They love the church, the New Beginnings Church in Middlesbrough. And that's a commendation, isn't it? not about your numbers it's about whether or not you love Jesus and you love your neighbor and both Robert and Kenny have encouraged us to keep doing what we're doing and even do it better <laughs> right it's exciting times isn't it God is speaking to us as a church God's encouraging choosing to bring godly people to speak to us and our job is to listen isn't it last week Kenny's message he said it's okay and it's correct to say, come, Holy Spirit, yeah, and just welcome God's Spirit to move, and that's what we pray, because we don't want to see things done in our own strength and power, we want to see things happen in God's strength. Jesus said, you will receive power, to his disciples, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the message has not changed to 2022, to every fellowship in Marysburg, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So this is a wee pastoral thought today. I hopefully have got a presentation somewhere up there. It's not on screen yet, but hopefully have one. Um, and we're going to be turning to the book of Philippians. And for those of you that have been here on the Sunday night the last few weeks, you'll know that the Discipleship Explore course that we're doing at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday evenings just now is a, is a, is a look through the book of Philippians. A letter written by Paul and Timothy to the church in Philippi. Uh, and what I'm actually going to do as part of this is just show the first few, first few minutes of the very first Discipleship Explored video. And for those of you that haven't been at it, I would encourage you, would you come along tonight? There's no pressure, it's not about attending meetings, but there is such a thing called discipleship, which means learning and being trained in the Word, in the Scriptures, and being equipped so that when you speak to somebody out there, you know the word first, correct? So we're called not to just make believers in the church, we're called to make disciples. And how do we do that? We read the book and we study it and we learn together and we fellowship together. The other good thing about the Sunday evenings is it has small groups and it has a way to get to know each other. The early believers knew how to do that. And we've got a wee coffee and a biscuit. It says they met around a meal and they met in small groups. And that's what we're doing tonight. And I would encourage you, it's been good. Yeah? Who agrees with me? It's been there. Yeah? You also, it doesn't matter if you've missed things. We've been putting the videos out. And it's a short video each week. And it's working through Philippians. I don't think there's any issue if you miss any weeks. So just from a pastoral point of view, I'm encouraging you to not just come to attend a meeting, but come to study and come to fellowship. I think it will do us all good. Right? Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness.
to us as a fellowship. We thank you for the, the ministry we have been blessed with in this place. We thank you, Father God, for this opportunity in this lovely building to herald the name of Jesus and to tell everybody around that he's our Lord and Saviour and to see them come to know the same. We thank you that in this fellowship, Father, recently we've seen new converts, new believers in Jesus. And we say, praise the Lord for that. And we thank you for those of us that, that know you, Jesus as personal saviour. Help us to know you more. Help us to know your word and your love and what you're saying to us, God. Even through this message today, I pray, Father, you will help us hear your voice, listen to it, apply it, and be equipped for ministry. Father, we do pray you forgive us our sins today afresh as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And we release that forgiveness to them in Jesus' name. Thank you for those who are online, Lord. We know there's a lot of people in the church just now who are sick. There's a lot of people who have got COVID. And we pray in the name of Jesus for a healing for them. We pray in the name of Jesus for a lifting of any anxiety that's there. Because you said, Lord, that you give us peace. Not as the world gives. So Father, I do pray for your peace to rest on your people here, whether they're in the hall here, online, or going to watch this later. We pray in the name of Jesus that we'll know your presence. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, so I'm just going to pop the camera on mute so that we don't have feedback, and we're going to watch just the first few minutes of of the discipleship explored, which is going to be in Philippians, uh, verse 1 to 11. For Christians in the West, I wish you persecution. Then you will know sweetness of Christ. You, you may think that I'm cruel, but I'm not. I wish you the best. And the best always comes from Christ. Out of Christ is only death. In Christ is life. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God.
I grew up just outside London in a town called Epsom. We used to go to a Methodist church, which was directly across the street from where we lived. And my dad would take us every single week. We never missed a Sunday. I don't think we missed a Sunday unless we were on holiday or something like that. And I stopped going when I was 16. I went looking for it a few years back and um, it had been demolished and replaced with an apartment block. But I remember what it was like. There was one group of people in the church who fell out with another group of people and there were rumours and lots of gossip flying around. Even as a kid, I could pick up on it. But the main reason that I stopped going was selfish, really. I mean, as I think back, I, I just didn't love the people there. And it seemed like too much effort to try. But when I start to read Paul's letter to the churches in Philippi, I find myself thinking, this is a love letter. I mean, he never wrote like this to the churches in Corinth or Galatia. I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I wonder, how different would my church have looked if we'd loved each other like that, with the affection of Christ Jesus? Is that even possible? This is the beginning of a journey into the heart of Philippians. I want to find out how Paul was able to love like he loved. I want to know how he handled a church that was in danger of being poisoned by grumbling, arguing and infighting. How he encouraged people to stand firm even in the face of frightening opposition. I want to know how he was able to say, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation even when his life seemed desperately bleak. I want to know not just what I've been saved from, but what I've been saved for. And I want to meet real followers of Jesus all over the world who've put this ancient letter to the test. I'm confident that Jesus Christ lived, died, was buried, was resurrected and ascended all so that I could be reconciled to God and enjoy him forever. But here's the question, how can I be confident that I really am a Christian? I mean, how can I be confident that God is at work in my life? How can I know, for example, that at the end of my life, I'll still be a Christian? Paul was extremely confident about the spiritual health of the people in Philippi. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How could he be so confident? Well, not because he was confident in them, but because he was confident in Christ. Remarkably, for a man who was in chains under house arrest in Rome as he wrote this letter, Paul was convinced, absolutely convinced, that God is in control. Not just when things were going according to Paul's plan, but also when they weren't. 
And he knew this not just from scripture, he knew it from his own experience. This was the place about 20 years or so after Jesus was crucified, that four men came and preached the gospel in Europe for the first time. There was the Apostle Paul, there was a young evangelist called Timothy, there was a church leader called Silas and a medical doctor and historian called Luke. And initially, they hadn't planned to come here at all. Originally, they were planning to head into Asia, but God had other ideas. The book of Acts says they were kept from preaching there and they were also prevented from carrying out their plan B, which was to travel into Bithynia. So they ended up spending the night in Troas, where Paul had this vision of a Macedonian man begging for help. And one of the leading cities in Macedonia was Philippi. Hopefully you thought that was helpful. I thought we've got this material, may as well use it. It's a better introduction. <laughs> and it shows you there that they hadn't even planned. The plan originally wasn't for Paul and the team to be in Philippi, but they were, they were called and they were listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance and launched into this place. I want to think about today. Today's message, my message is called Good, Good News is in the House. Good news is in the house. Paul and his team were sent out to this place in Philippi, and I want to look at two conversion stories today, because in this probably relatively short time that Paul and his evangelical team are in the area, they encounter a couple of different households. And I think it's interesting and also encouraging in our church at New Beginnings, aren't we seeing some household salvation at this time? Do you agree with me? I'm happy about that. I'm rejoicing about that. You know, God is in the business of saving lives and giving people a new beginning. And that, when it impacts one person in a house, it tends to impact more than one person in a house. Because when somebody's life is changed and transformed, it has, a, it has an ongoing effect when they say, do you know what, my life's been changed by Jesus. And they tell their husband or their wife or their children's or their parents, if they're a child. Good, isn't it? And praise the Lord, we've seen this in New Beginnings and you know some of the stories and if you don't go and talk to people and they'll tell you about how God is saving children and adults in our church today. What is a Christian church? A Christian church is a gathered group of believers in Jesus who have individually accepted Jesus as their personal saviour. It's about individuals who have experienced the love of Jesus, just like Paul. What made Paul and Silas and any of the rest of them have any good news to tell? Well, it was because they found out there was a saviour, God's son Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life, who came to pay the price for every one of our sins by the shedding of his blood and his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. This was God the Father's perfect plan to make us right with him again. But it's through faith and belief in Christ and we'll see this because what I want you to show you in this illustration of uh, two conversions of households, I want to show you the mechanism, and it's not complicated, of hearing the good news, receiving the good news, and living it and telling other people, all right? And all of that motion can happen very quickly. Do you believe me? It doesn't take an eight week Bible study necessarily 
It sometimes does, but it doesn't necessarily take eight weeks to come to faith in Jesus. It can take one day, one hour. It's ultimately one minute. It's hearing and receiving. And I want us to be encouraged in these days because there's a whole lot of people out there that need to hear this. And we're sent and commissioned to this place not to keep it inside, but to speak it out. Because Paul and Silas could have chosen just to sit in a comfy place, but they didn't. They chose to go and obey Jesus' message to go and tell other people, even when they're in risk of imprisonment and when they're in risk of death. You've got to realise that in this situation. Paul, even writing his letter to the Philippians, is writing under house arrest under a Roman guard in threat of death. This is serious stuff. The believers have been stoned to death, like Stephen. Serious stuff. But because they believed the message was true, because they believed the commission of Jesus, the command to go was true, they went. And if it wasn't for them, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> so Acts 16, verse 11, from Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From, from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyrea called Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message when she and the members of her household eh, were baptized. She invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Quite an amazing story that, isn't it? Quite a fast move of the Lord in that situation there. There's some ladies meeting for prayer and clearly seeking God, but they don't know about Jesus. And Paul and his helpers come to that place. Notice that they went to where the people were. They didn't invite them to a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Part of go means going, not staying. And it's as simple as that. There's people as you walk down the street that the Lord might be just wanting you to speak to and your words are life to them because you're speaking Jesus and it's maybe the very thing that they need to hear. I think it was Lorena you were sharing on Wednesday. I don't need to tell the details, but you were sharing about just how the Lord gave her a nudge. Kenny was talking on Saturday about listening to the whole Holy Spirit when he nudges you and maybe suggest you go over there and speak to that person. And, and Lorena was just talking on Wednesday night how she felt the Lord was impressed on her to speak to someone in a shop. And, and she, had, she didn't respond immediately, but the, the nudge kept getting stronger. And eventually she thought, I'll just go ahead and speak to the shopkeeper. And the shopkeeper said, can you please pray for my husband? Because he's just lost his job and he's absolutely distraught. And next minute, Lorena's praying with the shopkeeper for her husband who's sitting over there totally at the end of himself because he's just lost his source of income. Isn't that incredible? And if she hadn't been obedient to just listen to the Lord and go to speak to the people in front of her, wouldn't have seen that happen. She's able to bring Jesus into the situation. It's 
So it says there that Lydia and the people in her household believed in Jesus as their personal saviour. And they received a new beginning at that very moment. It's instant, you know. This church is called New Beginnings Church. <laughs> because it, there comes a moment in time when you receive Jesus, all things become new. I had it for later on, but I've got the scripture here. For everyone that is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Is that true? So it's a line draw. It's the old is gone. The news come. My life has been completely transformed, not just modified, changed, delivered, brand new. I'm a new person because Jesus has not only forgiven me my sins, but his spirit comes in and dwells within me. And that's a, that can, that's a very instantaneous move when we trust God in faith. I hope you're encouraged by this, are you? Because you could literally be at the bus stop with somebody and you could be sharing about Jesus. Nancy's laughing because I think Lorena obviously testified to you uh, in a bus. But it's, but it's as simple as that, isn't it? And when Jesus is declared, he can be received in that moment. And, you know, God does not make this complicated. It cost a lot. It cost everything to God. Cost everything. This plan was complicated in terms of from the beginning of time, <laughs> God planned this salvation. So it was not easy for him to accomplish, but it's not complicated to understand for us because he's made it easy. He's made it easy that a child can understand next door. He's made it easy that we can understand in a simple few sentences. The key thing is, do you believe? <laughs> do you receive? Lydia, hallelujah, believed, received her household also And then it says they were baptized. And, and Jesus had given this command in Matthew 28, verse 19 to his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And that's what we're talking about. Discipleship, a follower of Jesus, started with his own disciples who listened to his teaching, who obeyed, believed, and responded to it. That's the key, yeah? So just hear the teaching. Believe it. Respond to it. Follow it. Follow your Savior. The baptism is an outward sign. The water immersion to a believer. And I just find it interesting. And I would encourage you, if you've, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you're interested in water baptism, we've got a tank through there that can be put up here. And there's, there's water baptism. It's just, it's not, it's not anything that is complicated. What it is is an outward expression of an inward belief that I am dying to the old life and I'm being raised up to the new life from the water. Simple, it's an illustration of what's happened already in your life. It's an illustration. And it's a step of obedience because Jesus said, go and do it. So I'm praising the Lord that there's some new Christians in the church. Consider the next step. And we are going to hold a wee baptism class soon. And if you're interested in that, we've got a book, a book called Believe and Be Baptized. And we're going to have a session on it, which will be arranged at a time that's suitable for folks to attend. To do a wee bit of teaching on, on baptism. And then we can work with you individually to 
to, to see about who is going to be baptised. Yeah? So if you're interested in that, please come and speak to me, just so that I'm aware. If you're interested in that, we can make sure you're included in that. You're baptised. And then, so there's believing, there's baptising, and there's, there's being obedient and living the life. And Lydia doesn't waste any time by serving God. She says, come to my house, I can help. So this is the simplicity of what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? Open your home. I know sometimes that's hard when you've got three kids in the places of bombs here. If you're anything like me, you can't swing a cat in it. <laughs> but in reality, whether it's into your home or whether it's, do you know what I mean? The, the idea is welcome people into your life. Yeah? What can I do to help you? And Christians are meant to have that open door, right? Not a closed door. My, heart, my heart's an open door to you. My life's an open door and I'm willing to provide help to you in a practical way. And there's Paul and his people and this new believer, Lydia's thinking, how can I serve God? Well, I'll know what I'll do. I've got a house, I can open it. Good. So you say, what can I do from God? Well, there's what you can do. <laughs> Offer someone a meal. <coughs> Offer someone a place to stay. Offer them some practical assistance. And you're being like Jesus. On Saturday morning, wonderful sermon, message from the Lord, from Robert Murdoch on the Good Samaritan. Listen to it. It's absolutely brilliant. How we can be so religious we walk by on the other side when the need's right in front of us. I just encourage you here, just be excited about what God might be asking you to do. How would you like to come for a meal with me? Exciting. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus when you do it in his name. Just moving on to the second testimony. Again, not an awful lot of time afterwards. And we have, again, to my point earlier, this was not an easy situation. Paul and Silas and their team was in. This was, you're in, you're in danger of arrest and death here, right? And this happened. So there was an uproar being caused because Paul and Silas are preaching about Jesus and nobody likes it. They're in a Roman area, right? This is enemy territory. And, uh, it says there in Acts 16, verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stalks. So this is a really, you know, sometimes as a Christian, we think we're going through hard times, don't we? And we are. That's a pretty hard time, don't you think? I've not been in that situation myself, by the grace of God. Have you? Been stripped and beaten, severely flogged, thrown into prison? In an inner cell, more secure? And if that wasn't bad enough, they've locked them up enough, if they're not. They also fasten their feet, <laughs> their feet with st at the stalks. This is a pretty desperate situation. But if there's ever evidence in this passage that you need to see what it is when a, a somebody is new, is a new creation in Christ, okay? Evidence of a new creation in Christ is what you see happening in verse 25. Look at it just in the middle of your screen. This is what it is to be a, a new creation, spirit-filled believer in Jesus. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. We might have put other words in there, 
for ourselves. About midnight, Paul and Silas were doubting and depressed and hopeless. Amen. Yeah. They're praying and singing hymns to God. It's not saying they weren't hurt by the situation, but their faith wasn't affected because they were solidly believing in Jesus still. And they knew that God was above this situation and that they were in fact serving Jesus. So they knew they were in the right place. Isn't that true? You're in the right place if you're serving Jesus, but it doesn't mean it's an easy place. So can I just say on a practical level, if your life is not easy, just make sure, number one, you're serving Jesus. Just make sure he's on the throne. That's the number one priority, okay? If, it's not about perfection, it's about priority. So if you put Jesus number one, yeah, and you seek to serve him, he'll honour that. And if you go through a hard place, you can be more confident that he's with you. But if you're in rebellion, if you're not obeying Christ, don't be confident. And I say that just out of balance. Um, and that's about to go off that TV. If you, if you could just press the button, I don't know why it's going off. <laughs> um, but I say that just out of balance because this Philippians does say the Lord will complete the work in us, but we've got to meet him halfway. My brother Alan McBride said that to me recently and it stuck in my head because how often can God be saying things to you and me loud and clear and we ignore it? And we rebel against it. That's a dangerous place for you and I to be, isn't it? Dangerous. So that's why I qualify the statement of prioritize the Lord, number one, do your best to live for him, be obedient to his word, and then you can be a lot more confident that you're at the center of his will. That makes sense? So here's what happened when you are trusting in Christ and you do say steps other than him and he's your priority. His work is your priority. So you're in a dark place. You're at midnight and you're singing and praying. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a dramatic series of events, eh? Dramatic, but this is true. This is God's word and we must believe this. These are not stories that are made up. This is true. Why do I say that? Because sometimes we don't believe God can change our chains. Sometimes we don't believe God can change our family situation. God, sometimes we don't believe God can take us out of an impossible blockade or blockage that's happening. There's Paul and Silas locked up, chained up, beaten up, but they haven't given up on Jesus. So that's simply what I'm saying to you and I today. Let's not give up. Let's keep praying and singing and trusting in Jesus and see what God's going to do when the miracles start happening. And the biggest miracle is that this jailer witnesses the power of God and then he responds, what must I do to be saved? It's great, isn't it? Are you excited about this? Are you excited about this? <laughs> yeah? I'm just saying that because it can be quite discouraging in life. 
Who feels a wee bit discouraged right now? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Who feels a wee bit discouraged in 2022 on uh, June 26th? And the things that might be making us feel discouraged are, I wish I'd done this better myself. I wish other people had done this. I wish my family situation was different. I wish my work, I wish the world wasn't under this pandemic. I wish I didn't have COVID. I wish, yeah? Yes. Yes. So back to just looking at a wee example, we can be like this and we can still be in a difficult world and situation and sing and pray. And when we do that in faith, miracles happen. And people see the miracle and they respond. Because this isn't normal, is it? It's not normal what Paul and Silas are doing. It's not normal what God just did and all the prison doors flying open, but he's responding to the faith and the prayers of his people. And then salvation comes, and that's why I get so excited, because this is what we want to see right now today, 26th of June, 2022, in Marysburg. And people actually get convicted to the point they say, what do I need to do to be saved? One of the biggest blocks is when you talk to people and they don't believe they need to be saved from anything. Well, I'm a good person. Do you know, it's only God's, it's only the message of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that convicts a heart to get to that stage that they say, what must I do to be saved? We see the same thing happening in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes and Peter stands up full. And what did they say? What must we do to be saved? That's God's message and the Holy Spirit's conviction that challenges a heart to say, what must I do to be saved? I realize now I need to do something. And the answer is straightforward. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour in the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. So again, I just want you to see message today is good news has come to the house. So God's people had brought good news to Philippi. They brought it down to the waterside to Lydia, was received by a house, they ended up in a house. People were baptized and saved and believed. Now they're in a prison. The jailer gets saved, trusts in Jesus. His household were baptized with him, water baptized. And then he does similar to what we saw with Lydia. He immediately moves very quickly through salvation, baptism, and in service. He says, well, can I come to my house? Because I've got a house. So he says, come, brought him to the house and set a meal with him. Very simple, like I'm saying again, just being a Christian is things like that. And he's filled with joy because he had not only come to believe in God, but his whole household as well. <laughs> and then I included the last verse 40 just to show again that we link back to the first house, right? which was when Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house again and they met with the brothers and sisters. They had a, a house meeting, a church meeting in the house, and then they left. So not a long period of time. Yeah. Intense persecution happening, not an easy thing for Paul and Silas thrown into prison and being. 
But look at the goodness coming out because the gospel of Jesus was preached by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believers didn't give up and prayed and praised even in a prison cell when they're beaten down. And God opened the prison doors, set captives free, souls are saved, households are saved, but people are baptized and we've got a new church in Philippi, the first Christian church in Philippi. I'm not being dramatic. I'm not being dramatic. Praise the Lord. I would love to be able to say more and more in Moody'sburg. And please join with me in this because I believe it is absolutely God's desire that nobody should perish according to the scriptures, but that they should find the Savior. And he's called us in here to go and see households. This happen in households in this community, in the surrounding areas, in our family situations. Isn't that true? Let's get excited about what God can do. And sometimes how quickly it can happen. Then they left. And I'll be quick now, don't worry. <laughs> so it's in this context, I'll just make a couple of comments around the Philippians chapter 1 passage. So this is around, thought to be around 10 years later from this first encounter where Paul, Silas and the team were in Philippi and we see those households saved in the church in Philippi formed. One thing about the church in Jesus Christ is it has a structure to it and we have leaders and we have those who are planting churches and God graciously helped us to plant the church here and you do it by his grace and that's God's plan and we're, we've got good relationships with other churches and that's also God's plan that you keep an open door and that you keep good godly, where there's trustworthy godly people you can connect with them. And, and Paul and Timothy are writing here as those sort of founding leaders, so to speak, those people who brought the message to the church who helped found it and plant it. Um, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. The key words, or the key verses in there, verse 3 to verse 6. Paul's praying in love for these believers. He has an affection for them. He's not just leaving them on their own, so to speak. He might have travelled to a different place, but his responsibility before God is to pray for them. Isn't that true? It's a big responsibility as a Christian to pray for brothers and sisters. And I know it's a great blessing when brothers and sisters tell me they're praying for me. It's part of our spiritual responsibility to be interceding. Read Ephesians 6, if you're not sure about that. Ephesians 6 says, don't give up praying for believers everywhere. Now, of course, not everybody can get into our prayers and sometimes we're praying a bit more generally, but God's given us enough people round about us that we can start to think about that. So I'm just encouraging us again, make sure prayer is a priority and you're remembering others in prayer that God's put in your life, particularly the believers. And he's praying with joy. There's a partnership in the message. The church that they planted is now talking about Jesus and growing. It will have been growing over this time. And he's confident. That first discipleship uh, explore course is called Confident in Christ, not Confident in Me, Confident in Us, <laughs> Confident in Christ. 
And this is the thing about salvation, it is received, not earned. It's believed, not worked at. And it's the same with the outworking of our salvation. God works in us to change us and keeps working in us to change us. That's encouraging, isn't it? Our job is to cooperate, as I said earlier from Alan, meet him halfway. And God's asking us to do something. Make sure we're cooperating with that and not kicking against it. And one of the things he's asked us to do is gather. Be a church. Don't be separated. It's not a demand for the sake of it. It's for our own good. Partnership means doing it together. This ministry as a team for the Lord. So don't be discouraged for everything I've said earlier on around being sure we obey God. Remember God's grace is sufficient for you and your weakness. The priority is to love Jesus, love God. And you'll not go far wrong, will we not? If we love God as a priority, and if we're reading his word as a priority, and if we're praying as a priority, then the things will work themselves out. He'll work it through. And just finally, he says, it's right for me to feel this about all of you since I have you in my heart. Can we say that today? And if we can't, let's ask God to help us with that. We really should feel as if in this fellowship as believers in Christ, you're in my heart, I love you in Christ. We should be able to say that and that should be going deeper. Key words, heart, affection, love, fruit of righteousness, glory and praise to God. Like I said, the theme was last weekend, the greatest command. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbour. And Jesus said to his disciples a command in John 13, 34. Again, very familiar verses, but is it real to us? Is it healthy in us? Is it deep in us? In reality, a new command I give you, Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Doesn't mean you like everything. It means you love the person. And you know something, it's particularly with brothers and sisters in Christ, it's really important not to allow that bitterness and hatred to come into our hearts against brothers and sisters. If it's a true brother and sister and you're trying to be in fellowship together, love's a high goal, isn't it? Now, there, is, there is a place, and I'll say this pastorally, there is a place when somebody's completely rebelling and causing mayhem in a church. That, that has to get dealt with but praise the lord it's not been happening in new beginnings <laughs> so i don't feel as if i have to say that to you of course there's a place for discipline if somebody is just hurting people and things are going wrong i'm glad to not be saying that in new beginnings but it doesn't necessarily still equate that we love each other right <laughs> it's great that people say to me when they come in here they feel they feel welcomed in love but let's not give up working in cooperation with God to make sure that we do. We love him more. Because this is what Paul realizes is the quality of the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more. 
and knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. I hope you're encouraged because I think any word from God, yes, it's meant to challenge us, but if you love Jesus, his words should bring joy to us. The word of God, if you love the Father, the word of God should be bringing that joy. Do you feel that? That encouragement? And this is a reminder for us if we've already taken these steps, but this message has to go far and wide in these days in our community. Believe, you see what they there with number one. <laughs> Believe, <laughs> be baptized, be part of a local church. And by the way, Jesus said, go, I'm sending you to do that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the word that you have clearly laid to us today, just laid on my heart again, just to encourage this church to believe, encourage the church also to consider baptism, and also encourage the church to be together and, and to be encouraged to not give up being together and to deepen in our love for one another because that's how the world will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. So Father, I thank you that discipleship is not just about learning about you and learning from you, but it's also about loving you receiving that love and giving that love to others. So Father, we know that none of us is perfect in doing these things, but we do know that you've called us to move on with you, not just stay where we were, and certainly not to be discouraged. So I pray for encouragement in this house today, New Beginnings Church. I pray for a unity in Jesus, a love, that's growing and for fruit to come of that. We do pray for folks in our, in our village here in the surrounding areas of Middlesbrough to find Jesus. And we do pray you'll use us, Father, by your grace to be able to share that and to see people coming to faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Bless. Thank mm -hmm. you.